Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job and fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. 
Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Farmer Johnny here, Taylor Family Farm. I want to give you all a little look-see. We raise 100% non-GMO, grass-fed beef, pasture chicken, and pork on our family farm. Everything that we grow is raised with love and care to ensure the highest quality and nutrition for our family and customers. You can shop online at taylorfamilyfarmtn.com or visit our farm store in person at Etheridge, Tennessee at 301 Dave Reisner Road. That's taylorfamilyfarmtn.com for more information. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. It's often imitated. It's never duplicated. It is, ladies and gentlemen, a beautiful Tuesday. Is welcome you to another edition, no matter where you may be and when you may be. It's your Tony Basilio show on a Tuesday, and this one's hard to get over. This one's hard to get over and hard to get around. Matt Dixon's in double pain today. His Astros got eliminated last night. Larry Vaught's going to join us. There's a chance coming up here in about 20. He of Vaught's views. Here's a number we're going to camp on. This is your thought for the day. I'm into uh, big thoughts here. I'm into big thoughts. Big thoughts and big concepts. Here it is. Courtesy of the Gold Brick Joe Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. And Gold Brick Joe does a great job with this stuff. But Matt, Mark Stoops coming off a bye week, or an off week. I call it an off week, but people call it a bye week. I mean, what you're getting a bye for, I don't know. You're not in a tournament. It's an off week. Stoops coming off the off week. Has 13 games under his quiver, Matt. How many has he won? TGMD, the great Matt Dixon. Hang on one second here. Who's, uh, who's Astros, by the way, went as far as they could. Caduce to your Astros, Matt, for not rolling over. When they got down in that series, they easily could have rolled over. But they pushed that team to seven games, which uh, Caduce to your boys on that run. Well, I mean, it's still still disappointing the last two games to to get blown out. But that, you know, that they went as far as they could this mm. year with com- complacency and injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, that they had no business even winning the division, much less being a game away from the World Series. But mm-hmm. it, you know, still still disappointing. Definitely doesn't hurt like the Alabama game. Mm, um, mm. I remember that this the stat about Stoops from last year. He's like four and nine or so. I mean, it's it's really bad. And like most of the wins are against Vanderbilt, and another one's against that Arkansas team that I think went like won one or two games. So the numbers it, five and eight. They're not, okay. five and eight. What, uh, why a yeah. hey, Matt? How can a guy that's up there complaining about? And I want to talk to Va- Larry Vaught about this. I think you guys in danger of losing this team. I, I think any time, if they haven't lost them, I think any time you stand up there as a head coach and you say, hey, 
Those guys in there, they're just not very good. And, and you got to get me some better ones. When, when you tell your team, uh, your team that, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen Saturday because I think that's a pretty deflating loss for us. And I don't know that I trust the Joe Milton, Josh Heupel combo on the road. And I don't know what what's going on with Heupel on the road and his teams and the collapsing, but that's certainly a thing, you know. I mean, you throw that Vanderbilt game out last year, and the which Vanderbilt shouldn't count for anything in these streaks. Like, if you take the Vanderbilt deal out of the Bob Stoops deal, how many wins does he have, Matt, coming off a of bye week? I mean, I, I really think you said five. I'd say at least three of them are bandy. Wow. So, no, they're they're just historically just not very good coming off, off that open date for, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I... I'm kind of curious how Kentucky handles this as well. You know, if you remember what Bino was cautioning us about the Florida game yep. and how we're going to get their best game, I feel like that's exactly what Tennessee's going to get. You got kind of a, I don't know, if desperate on the edge of losing it to them, however we want to put that, coming off a bye at home at night. Uh, you know they'll have a, a, a pretty good crowd. At least you would think they would. Um, so Tennessee's got to be ready to play and, and show up because I, I think you're getting you're going to get a, a good performance from Kentucky. Um, and both these teams are fragile, which is what I wrote today over at tclub.team, and that's a great place to park. Look, we're fragile on the road, Matt. I'm just coming to that conclusion. Everybody is a little fragile on the road. Uh, we have not proven in the Josh Heupel era in the last year and a half that we take punches well on the road. We just don't. We, get, In fact, we're prone to get knocked out. It's the way it is, and I didn't do it. Just, South Carolina just like 90% knocked us out. Of the teams just like 90% football. of them. That's exactly right. But you got to do it. But you got to do it. When you're playing in your building, you have to do it. Does Kentucky have enough team to do it, Matt? Well, yeah, obviously. Um, if if they play play well, the, the you know the game kind of goes to the script, and they're they're able to run the ball and control the clock, which is which is something they actually haven't done a lot this year, surprisingly. But um, I think their offensive line, despite having some kind of decent numbers, I don't think their offensive line is very good. The quarterback play has been. I, I mean, they have worse quarterback play than Tennessee does this year so far. The receivers have dropped a bunch of passes. They have the, the really good running back, Ray Davis from Bandy. Uh, they kind of, you know, use him in a lot of different ways. He's definitely the the focal point of their offense. Isn't it weird when you have the quarterback issues that wide receivers drop balls? That's true. Right. It, thing, it, it, it all goes hand in hand. I yeah. think it does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it all. Here's the other thing. So I drilled down on this because we, we were talking about short yardage, and I was given an assignment on Garza Law fifth quarter fan reaction. I made a couple calls. I buried this in the middle of a paragraph today over on the blog, but uh, I do want to share this with you because it's worth talking about. So, um, here's where we are. 
So the um, people are wondering, and I'm wondering, you're wondering, I'm wa- we're all wondering. Matt pointed out something on the program that I, I, I want to just, uh, I want to bring to the table here. And that's that we used the brotherly shove against Virginia. And we haven't seen it since. And, of course, that's that eagle short yardage play that some people think ought to be outlawed. And Nick Sirianni's like, look, it's legal, and we're going to run it. And nobody can stop it. Now, obviously, the, the Eagles have Jalen Hurts, who squats like 675 pounds. He's... I mean, he might look little to you, but he's one of the strongest dudes maybe it's ever played that position, and I mean that. I mean, that is one strong, tough hombre. He wiggled out of a, away from a, uh, from a rusher the other night and threw a ball right on the money to A.J. Brown. I mean, this guy is strong. Here's what I found out. They ran it in the Virginia game. And I was getting this in drips and drabs here tonight during the show, and I misunderstood what I was being told, so I had to circle back. And so I apologize for what we said on Garza Law fifth quarter fan reaction because I initially said they haven't practiced it. Here's what they did. They practiced it in the summer leading up to the Virginia game. I was told that when... They got Cooper Mays back. They made a decision that they were not going to do it with him in there. And the reason they're not going to do it, and this is just their their calculation here, is they realize that as an offensive line, they're much better with him in the game than with him not. And he's recovering, as we all know. And if you look at him on the field, he's still act, you know, he still looks kind of gassed when they show him close up. I mean, he's really he he has really done something to get back. Let's put it this way. Nobody's ever gonna accuse accuse him of having the want to of Deshaun Watson. The Haslam strike again. That that's gonna go down. That that Deshaun Watson thing is maybe the worst contract in the history of sports for it's over. Watch and say. Watch and see what those people in Cleveland do to him before this thing's over. But back to this deal with the brotherly shove. So, Tennessee's coaches, and Matt, I want to get your thoughts on this. They've decided that, and this is the way it was explained to me last night, they don't want a couple tons of bodies falling on their center. Because inevitably, if you watch that play, Jason Kelsey for the Eagles is in the middle of it. Snaps the football. There's a couple of offensive linemen behind the quarterback, and basically they shove the quarterback off either guard. They, they, they pick a gap, but the center generally has tonnage falling on him. Tennessee has decided that they're not going to do it with Mays because of the triple hernia surgery, recovery. Why would you want to? welcome that all those guys falling on him Matt what do you think of the explanation does it make sense not make sense do you uh do you buy that not buy it somewhere in the middle where are you on that 
Because that's what I was told. No, I, I think it makes it makes perfect sense because um, you saw what your offensive line looked like without Cooper May, so you definitely can't afford to have him injured and miss time. But at, at the same time, you've got to figure out a way to run the ball in short yardage situations. Um, maybe you don't do the the seven linemen and you push the guy, but you can still get up under center and do QB sneaks or, or, or something. you got to try something different because you're just – You've kind of failed at that all, all season. Uh, what they're doing from the shotgun, all that stuff, the the, bun, the bunch formation stuff, like without Brew McCoy, that, I think that's not very effective. So, I mean, I, I understand what they're saying, and that, and that makes perfect sense. But on the flip side of that, you've, got to, you've had you know all season to figure out a way to run the ball in those spots, and you haven't been able to. So I ran it by the orange throat last night. And he says to me, Tony, that's great. Love the reporting. Thank you. He said, I, I kind of concur with that. Why don't they get him off the field when they run that play? Put Ollie Lane back at center and run the play like they did against Virginia with similar personnel they used against Virginia. To which I replied, well, they're not going to substitute. It's the same reason that they're not going to run uh, Matt. It's the same reason they're not going to get the D. Williams guy in a game and flip a ball to him because they've made a decision that they're not going to substitute. Is he correct in saying, why don't they get off that dogma and substitute a little bit? He said, would Josh Heupel, I mean, would you just rather lose games? Then substitute situationally every once in a while does is he does he have a good point in your opinion? I mean, it's, it's definitely a thought and an idea. Um, I, you know, I'm always hesitant to you know changing centers and and getting a guy that hadn't snapped all game to snap in a key spot. Yep, you never know about a botch snap going under center. Like that's risky. I mean, all, all this stuff's risky, and you just have. As coaches, they just have to evaluate it, and, and they thought this was the best way to do it, and obviously that, that was a misstep. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't hate the idea. I think just about anything should be on the table at this point because you've got to figure out ways to win games down the stretch, and you're going to have to have some short yardage conversions uh, going forward to win games, to close out games. Uh and it, especially if you're going to continue to, to be aggressive going forward on fourth downs and, and on fourth and shorts, you got to got to figure out a way to, to get a couple of yards. I'm not questioning this coach's philosophy because I think it's mostly great when you have the right personnel for it to be great. I think that philosophy of not substituting can be a real impediment when you don't have enough personnel, which is where they are offensively right now. And I want the living listener to think about that and the living fan. I think it's silly. I think it's silly during a drive to say, well, I'm just not going to substitute. You don't have enough players to do that. It's great. Last year you did that all day long. Last year you're the aggressor. You've got better players. You're going to be the ball down the field. You're going to smoke people. They're on their heels. This year you're on your heels. You don't have enough players. Substitute. Substitute. It's okay. You're, you're not admitting weakness. 
am I being overly simplistic, Matt, or am I right? Because the more I think about it, why wouldn't you substitute? Other than you've just decided you're not going to substitute. That doesn't make any sense to me. Your goal is to win games, not substitute or not substitute, isn't it? Well, um, obviously, and it's, it's not like that. It doesn't feel like they're going at the 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 super speed that they were not. last year, That's especially exactly right. in these critical downs uh, where they usually use up, you know, 20 to 30 seconds of the play clock anyway. So I know I, I think you need to make sure you have the right personnel on the field and the right plays. Um, and that was kind of taken for granted last year because Princeton Fant was such a weapon in that area. Uh, again, Brew McCoy was kind of basically a kind of a jumbo tight end type in, in those spots. So you had so many different pieces you could work with. Um, and then, of course, your quarterback, you trusted 100%, and, and he could get you in the right play and, and make the right decision. So you've got to do something different. I, you know, And with how much, I guess Cinco said it best, all the choppiness this year where you have – it's hard to have five or six plays without something coming up where it, it gets stopped. Like you, you could substitute and it not actually become a disadvantage for you, with with guys getting banged up or, or whatever. So you know, it's it's just they're just been in a tough spot because they're kind of limited personnel wise. But I don't I don't think they've necessarily done a great job of kind of figuring things out uh, to this point in the season. Yeah, and this is how to me you're not limited personnel wise. You substitute. Oh, but he don't want to do that. Well, that's fine. I mean, I don't want to take a timeout right now. I got three calls on hold. I got Larry Vaught coming up. I don't want to take a timeout right now. Guess what? I have to. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. the Chicken Man, a.k.a. T. Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. Alert, alert! Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has a huge announcement. We're expanding our service center to get you in and out quicker than ever. That's right, five new service bays to get your vehicle back on the road. Don't drive a Chrysler Dodge Jeep or Ram. It doesn't matter. Our certified technicians are trained to work on all makes or models. More service, less time. Only at Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Family owned and operated. You can count on us. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Baird's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, 
what you need in stock with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. The generations that have paved the way for us deserve respect, integrity, and compassion. This is Kelly Dobson, owner of Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. My grandmother and mother started this business in 2005, and I was honored to take over in 2012. Licensed and insured, we help our aging community stay in the comfort of their own homes. Online at caringheartshomehealthcarellc.com, by phone 931-381-5470, or in person at 1121 Trawood Avenue here in Columbia. That's Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. Hey gang, Carl Wayne Meekins here. I want you guys to come out and see us live on Veterans Day, 11, 11, 23, 7 p.m. Guitar and Cadillac Hall that sits right on top of Puckett's in Columbia, Tennessee. Got a huge lineup for you. We've got Troy Kemp, Katrina Burgoyne, myself and my band, and then the legend Jimmy Wayne's going to come in for a few songs. Going to be a big night in Columbia, and Columbia ain't going to be the same. Okay, so get your tickets at eventbrite.com, the Guitar and Cadillacs, Carl Wayne Meekins. We'll see you there. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. Let's, uh, without further ado, bring a gentleman in who is just bragging on our fair state. I'll tell you what, it is an absolutely, for those of you listening outside the area, we bring it home to you. We're bringing you home. It's going to be like 80 here today. And I'm not complaining, okay? I am not complaining. Larry Vaught, Vaughtsviews.com. We're in a warm spell in our region, and it's supposed to be warm Saturday night for the game. I mean, not one of these cold weather uh, games that we've had up in Lexington in recent years. It's going to be a nice, perfect, apparently, day for college football. I hope that uh, the Vols and Kentucky don't mar the day. Um and, Larry, the, the truth is, you know, this year in the Southeastern Conference, I just don't remember quarterback play looking like it is. And both of these teams are not getting the quarterback play that they've gotten used to in recent years as we start there. Uh, tell us about Leary, 
the season he's had from 10,000 feet, it looks like he never came back from the uh, from the from the tricep injury. He's just not the same, or was it a bicep injury? Whatever it was, he's just not the same. Yeah, and I think I think after the season, maybe he'll admit that. I mean, I give the young man credit for making no excuses. He's not using his injury as any excuse, but he just doesn't look the same. But but what is perplexing, Tony, is you and I talked before the season. Every coach, every player that you talked to that was at the practices in the spring and the preseason when most of when the rest of us couldn't be there to watch, all they did was brag and talk about catchable ball, accurate, great teammate, processed information so well before the snap, processed it great after the snap. They weren't wanting to say he was going to be better than Will Levis, but they were leading you down that path where if you wanted to say that, they thought you weren't going to be wrong. I kind of thought, well, maybe he's going to be, but I mean, his numbers at North Carolina State were pretty fabulous, but still, you kind of had to see it to believe it, and he's just not been great from day one. I mean, he's missed open receivers. He supposedly has had communication issues with receivers. Uh, I don't think he's processed information near as well as what they expected him to. The offense is slower than what I run and what I'll be running when I come down in a couple of weeks through the Cades Cove 10-mile loop lope. That's about the pace I'll be going, just slow and slower. I mean, it's been very frustrating to watch thinking that Kentucky had Liam Cohen coming back. You know, these receivers that are really good last year coming back, and you're supposed to have a quarterback that can just throw an even better ball than Will Levis. And instead, Ray Davis, the Vandy transfer, and the running back, He's been their offense, the only thing they could count on, and that's why I was a little surprised yesterday. I don't know whether the Stoops are just sending out fake news to Tennessee or what, saying that, yeah, we could we could run it more and probably win more, but we're not going to. We're trying to develop our program. Well, I don't know about you, Tony, but if you can win 10 games in 2018, you can win 10 games in 2000, 10 games in 2021, I'd have settled for winning 10 games if you had to run Ray Davis this year. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he thinks it could win a national championship one day if they throw the ball. But this year it just hadn't worked very well for him. And I'm going to have to see him throw it 30 sometimes Saturday night to believe it. You you talk about Stoops because last time Kentucky took the field, 14 nothing lead, Missouri fakes a punt, goes for a touchdown, and then it just crumbles around them. Kind of looked like our almost Tennessee second half here night where it just crumbled yeah. on the Vols. And preceding that, and Stoops has this weird thing about him. I, I know you've you've been on here. You've been uh, you've marveled at his ability just to say whatever he wants to say, which you've got to appreciate that. What about him saying we need better players after that Georgia game? And then it looked like his guys just kind of checked out on him. Is there any whispers around that deal that? Boy, that's something that could really backfire on him. I, I think it's been more the, the the whisper around the fans than it has been anything with the players. Of course, that would also be something we may not know until the season's over either. If 25 of them go in the transfer portal, then you may see a little. But, but no, I don't think it's been much around the players. Now, a lot of fans have really lambasted him for, for saying that, and his timing couldn't have been worse. And I know how Mark is. He was on a radio call-in show. Fan got under his skin, 
kind of pointing out that he hadn't been able to win some big games, and he just kind of, like some of us do, or like I did many times when I was younger, you just fired back the first thing that came out of your mouth. And the nice thing about when I write, I can go back and read it and I can delete. When you're on radio, you can't go back and delete because it's out there and it's on podcasts, everything about it. So I know he wished he hadn't said it the way he did, but it came out horrible. Then they came back and, and threw that stinker in the last three quarters against Missouri. And it was really, really bad. Part of me wanted to think after the Georgia game that he pulled a Rick Pitino because when Rick Pitino was at Kentucky and his team would look just god-awful, he'd always come back in his next press conference and say something as stupid as you could ever imagine and controversial to get all the attention off on him and off his players. And that's what happened after Stoops said that after the Georgia game. The rest of that week leading up to Missouri, all the criticism was of Stoops, not on his players for getting beat 51-13. to but after they threw that stinker in against Georgia, uh, against Missouri, I don't know if that's what he was doing or not. But they better get back on, on, on track. And I, I tell you, it's not just most of the talk has been about their offense. It's just not been very good. But they've also given up 89 points the last two games. If you would have told me going into this season that this defense would have given up 89 points in any two-game stretch against anybody, I wouldn't have believed it. But they have been awful on defense the last two games except for the first quarter against Missouri. And the weird thing is they've given up 89 points in two games against a Georgia team who at times is here offensively with that quarterback has looked pretty pedestrian. But, boy, he yeah. lit them up. And um, and then you've got the, the situation at Missouri. They've got one of the few explosive teams in the conference uh, and one of the more explosive teams in college football right now with Cook and what they're doing with their wide receivers. But you, you bring up a real interesting point about Kentucky in that you had Leary, you had Liam Cohen. On paper, that thing looked like it was really going to be dynamic. And and Matt, we were talking before, and it looks kind of um, constipated almost. Uh, Tennessee with Joe Milton's prone to having spells like that as well. You know, when you just when you don't have that quarterback play, it's just a difficult game to play in this era. It just is because there's almost nowhere to hide, Larry. Yeah, and, and, and that's right. I mean, he, and he's just not been good. There's just no other way to put it. I mean, here, here's a guy that before the season started, which is kind of a, a given up here that he was going to be Mark Steve's first 3,000-yard passer. Wasn't he going to be? I was just wondering whether he's going to go just barely over three, whether he might get up and throw for four. Well, he's not going to do that. And his SEC defenses, he has really struggled to to complete passes. Now, I think part of it, his two his two supposed best receivers and Barryon Brown and Dane Key, they have both dropped balls. They have both at times had trouble getting open. Both at times supposedly have run wrong routes. Which again, I don't know. You kind of have to take somebody's word for that because you hadn't heard. Heard the two of them come out and say they've been running wrong routes. That supposedly has been part of the reason that Leary hadn't connected with them. So I'm a little skeptical of some of that. But again, they had just not been the playmakers that you thought they would would be. But part of that is because Leary's really not been able to find anybody else to distribute the ball to to make defenses pay for concentrating on those two guys so much. So I mean, if you're Tennessee. You just kind of take care of those two guys, and then Kentucky's had no other options in the passing attack. 
especially a Kentucky program down through the years where we've come to expect the tight end, especially in a game like this, to get heavily involved, which is another similarity these two teams have is that tight end play at times has just kind of, uh, well, it's just disappeared. Let me bring Matt Dixon in here. Larry Vaught joining us. Vaught's views. He's wonderful. We appreciate him. He's a great sport. Look, down through the years in basketball, he's called the shot and upset people in the Commonwealth. He come on here and predicted uh, Tennessee uh, to beat them in hoops a, a time or twenty down through the years, and uh, you know he always keeps it a hunchy with us when he's on here. One thing I love about Larry, plus he's just a great spirit. And if you check out his website, you'll see what I'm talking about because Larry likes to get in the mix and in the hunt. But let's bring Matt Dixon in here as we talk about the Kentucky Wildcats with Larry Vaught of Vaught's Views. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, Larry, I know Kentucky had to replace a lot in their secondary, but it, it seems like Stoops has always had a pretty solid unit back there. Um, what, what's what been the issues this year for, for the secondary? Um, the, I mean, that, like, I mean, even the Georgia game aside, it, it seems like they've given up a lot of big plays through the air that maybe they haven't haven't done a lot under Stoops. Yeah, they don't. Max Harrison, the one cornerback, has five interceptions, and it's made some really good plays on the ball at times, but he's really not what I would consider a, a lockdown corner. They just don't have that, and then their, probably their best safety, Jalen Geiger, got hurt. Uh, he may or may not be back this week. I don't know, and that has hurt him some. But I think, to me, the most, the biggest issue the secondary has had, and Kentucky knew that was not going to be as strong going into this year as what it had been, but they thought their front seven was going to be so good that they were going to get constant pressure on the quarterback and be able to take some of that heat off the secondary. And I mean, they've been getting no heat of any consistent basis on the quarterback. I mean, after they played Georgia, the quarterback talked about he felt like he had all day just to stand back there and find somebody. Well, I don't care how good you are back in the secondary, you're not going to cover SEC receivers that well forever. And that was a perplexing thing against Missouri. I mean, they... They shut down Burden. He only had two catches, and me at Missouri still doesn't went crazy on him because they just don't get any kind of consistent pressure on the quarterback. So, like this week, if, if Milton is just willing to be patient back there, Kentucky has just not shown it can get to you with that front like what it thought it would. And Brad White will blitz some, but he's just not a guy as a defensive coordinator that loves blitzing a lot and exposing himself to some potential big plays. So. That, to me, is, is the bigger issue in the secondary, the fact that the front group hadn't done anything to help them. Yeah, we've seen that here. Uh, you know, a, a front seven that can get to the quarterback can make your secondary look a lot better because Tennessee, when they quit finding the pressure and quit getting to Milrow the other day, got kind of lit up in their secondary. Let me get Matt back in here for one, and then Brian's got something as we visit with Larry Vaught. Vaught's views. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, the, the the only other one that is kind of interesting with Kentucky this year is seems like they're very undisciplined and have a lot of a lot of penalties and personal fouls. Has there been any kind of common theme among them, or is it just guys kind of losing their their emotions uh, in spots? I think that's a fair evaluation. I, I hate to use the word stupidity because that's not a very nice thing to say about anybody. I'm sure people sometimes thought that if, when they've read my stuff. But they just have made some of the most atrocious penalties. Just, that you just have no reason you sit there and look and think, 
why would they why would they do that? I mean, it just makes no sense. It's not like a holding call or or something like that. I mean, some of these personal fouls and unsportsmanlike conduct have just been insane to me. And they've got some guys that run their mouth a whole lot better than what they play. And I'm really surprised they hadn't had more of them with the way some of these guys have, have been talking. And, I mean, I would think if I'm playing Kentucky, yeah, I'm going to try to get under their skin, kind of push things to the limit on when I hit them and do things like that because they've retaliated way too much or instigated way too much and have got themselves in trouble a lot with the penalties they have made. And Mark talks about, well, that's not something we're prone to. Well, yeah, they are prone to that. And I went back and looked before the uh, Missouri game when they or the you know the Georgia game when they had all those penalties. They had actually had uh, 14 games of 10 or more penalties, but they were 12 and two in those games. So I guess if you're getting all those penalties and you're still winning, you don't harp as much on correcting them. But right now, they aren't good enough to get those penalties and still win against good teams. So in 14 games, they were 12 and two when they had uh, when they had t- at least 10 penalties. Yeah, but before the last two weeks, and that's changed the last two weeks. Wow, that's really an interesting number. Yeah, uh, we saw that with Hypo last year. We were highly penalized, one of the most highly penalized teams in the country. When you're winning and scoring a lot of points, that's all well and good. When you start losing or offensively you're a little challenged, which is what Kentucky is, it would make sense that that stuff comes into play more. Brian Hartman Jump in here, Larry Vaught. Vaught's views. Check him out online. Uh, go ahead, Brian. Yeah. What was the what was the fan reaction to what Stoop said about needing better players like George's got? Was there some heat on him, especially in light of what happened the next week against Missouri? Yeah, I think the the biggest reaction was that maybe he ought to pony up, do a little bit better coaching what he's been than what he's been doing. It's been something that's pretty been thrown around a lot and you know that pony up has been thrown around a lot the last two, two weeks kind of back at him and i mean he had to expect that after what he said and, and and the thing about it i don't think what he said was wrong i mean kentucky players overall aren't as good as the missouri players but you just can't quite come out and say it the way that he did i mean it, you just got to kind of hang in there and understand that people that are giving are doing the best that they that they can, and I mean, if I was giving him a lot of money to, to and he was directing it toward Tony, and then all of a sudden he says something like that, I think, well, why am I going to give money for Tony if he's not that good anyway? Let's wait till he gets somebody better in here. So, yeah, that that's a remark that's probably going to haunt him for a long time. And what I'd really be interested in, and I don't have him back. I would like to know across the country how other schools might be using that when they're recruiting somebody to say, hey, why well, you want to go to Kentucky? Admit their players aren't very good. Or pull guys off his roster, like you were talking about yeah. before. Hey, this yeah. guy just uh, utterly talked trash on you. I, I think in the transfer era, Larry, you know, you and I are kind of OGs. And remember the game as it was where the schools used to have all the, just the entire weight of the system on that player to lock them in place. And now that they have complete freedom, these guys are going to recruit people off each other's rosters. And I think you got to be careful with what you say in the media. Because if I'm recruiting against you and I'm trying to get that brown kid off Kentucky's roster, I'm going to go to him and say, hey, did you – I mean, this is what your coach just said about you, man. He said it about you. He was talking about you, whether he was talking about him or not. I mean, I'm going to make it – you know, I'm going to use that against them, I think is what I'm trying to say. And I think it will be used against them. Oh, I, I think it will be too because things are so tenuous now. Anyway, I mean, I've got a friend – 
the coaches, and he said, you know, there's some guys you, you can't hardly get on in practice because they said they've got the biggest NIL deals on the team, and you're expected to you have to play them because the boosters are giving you the, the money to, to pay these guys, and it makes it hard to, to bench them and say, well, we're not going to play him. <laughs> well, you can't. He's the highest-paid player on the roster and all, and these guys know that, and it, it, it's cut into what you can do as a coach discipline wise and I'm sure that's not just something that's an exception in Kentucky. I imagine it's an issue all across the country and some coaches deal with it better, some players handle it better than others, but I think it's a it's a big issue. It has been the last couple of years at Kentucky, not that there's team dissension, but I think there's some guys that know, hey, we're kind of on a level. He's got to play us because if he doesn't, he knows we're gone. And I and I think that sometimes can hurt a program like Kentucky. I was looking at, as Larry Vaught joins us, I was looking at, and we're talking off the outset of the program today, uh, Stoops is 5-8 and eight coming off these off weeks. Yeah. Um, is that, and, and granted, a lot of times, you know, he's playing at Tennessee or, you know, it's tough. It's a tough slog. I mean, you get in one of these deals. A lot of times those will happen mid-season-ish. Um, is that a fair number to cite? Is that an indication of anything, or is that just reality? Five of five and eight. I think it's a troubling stat if you're a Kentucky fan, but I think if also if you're just an objective fan, it's just the reality of usually who they've been playing and they're that far into the SEC season, and they're always going to be playing somebody re- really good when they're coming off that bye. And, some, and most times, I don't think it would probably would have mattered if they would come off the bye or not. I think what would trouble the UK fan the most. It's a lot of those losses after that bye week hadn't been 20 to 14 or 27 20. They've been just butt kickings. And that's been the kind of the head scratching thing is how can you come off a bye week when you should be more rested? You had two weeks to prepare and you look lost out there. And that's happened to them a lot, including once against Tennessee not too long ago. And that was the, that was the team that had designs on a real high finish, right? Came in the old stadium and got just obliterated. Isn't that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Looks like they'd never seen a football. Wow. So what happened Saturday? What do you think? Oh, I, I think that I've been around so long watching Kentucky Tennessee football until I ever see Kentucky win. I'll never say I think Kentucky's going to win because no matter the situation, it just seems like Tennessee always has the, has the whatever it takes to beat Kentucky. So, I, I still think with the issues Kentucky's had the last couple of weeks on both sides of the ball, and I know Tennessee lost to Florida, but I think that's just one of those games that happens sometimes during the season. But I was pretty impressed with what I saw for a lot of that game against Alabama. So my, my, my pick would be Tennessee, and it probably this time next week you all are talking about Joel Milton. might be the best quarterback you've ever had. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. People are really hurting here, Larry, and because um, when you throw up one of those first halves, and you show folks what you can do, and then you turn around in the second half and don't score a point and get blown out, it's very difficult to shake that off, as a great Taylor Swift once said. <laughs> well, t- Taylor seems to be pretty well shaking things off, and I've got a feeling maybe the Vols will, too, because Kentucky's kind of coming in licking its wounds, too. And, and again, what, what, would wor- what worries me the most is Kentucky's given up 89 points in the last two games. Mm-hmm. And I, and I saw enough of that Tennessee offense that first half that there's a lot of things I think Tennessee might be able to exploit against Kentucky. Can they throw it on the field? Can they throw it down the field on them? I would think absolutely they can because 
he won't get a lot of pressure on him. And then I think with the way that he can take the ball and run, he may really, really hurt him running the football. Larry Vaught, you got me feeling very confident. You've sandbagged me today, haven't you? You've set me up for a disappointing uh, Garza Law fifth quarter fan reaction Saturday night. You, you, and because look, if the Vols lose that game Saturday, Josh Heupel's never felt the wrath the way he's going to feel it. He, he's going to understand that the love here is pretty transactional, like it is on a lot of these coaches. Uh, if he drops one, so I think you're setting us up over here, uh, Vaught's views. <laughs> Well, just go back and watch the game film from last week. You'll feel better. After you watch Kentucky the second half against Missouri, it'll make you feel a lot better. And I don't know whether they can just remedy these things in, in one week or not. And, again, Devin Leary, it's not, it's not like he just had one bad game last week. He's got seven of them in the books, and there's mm. nothing to really make you think he's going to be great. So I'll just put the, if Kentucky is able to win this game, it will, it will really, really surprise me. Uh, Vaught's views. You're my man, Larry Vaught. Tell a living listener how they can find you, read you, all that good stuff. And I appreciate your time, Larry, as always. Well, I always, always enjoy telling you. You can go to my website, which is just vaultsviews.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at vaultsviews. And I will tell you this if Kentucky somehow finds a win, way to win Saturday night, as I'm sitting here typing my stories and doing the stuff after the game, I'll have your show on listening because I know it'll be fun. Oh, stop! <laughs> It'd be fun for somebody. Hey, Larry, thanks. for me to listen to. Thank you, Larry. Good talking to you. All right. He, he's a good sport, and he calls it like it is. And, they, you know, they they get angry with him up there because they'll say to him, why you go on the hit show and say uh, that if we win this game, you'll be shocked? Matt, he spelled it out, though. They're, they're, they are, in terms of expectations and what they are, they're like light years away from what they were supposed to be this year. Well, they're kind of par for the course. They're, they're kind of like this every year. Oh. Some, some years they just, you know, have a more favorable schedule and, and catch some teams snapping. And, you know, I mean, this is what Kentucky yeah. is. Did they peak against Florida, you think? Obvious, obviously, obviously. That's the that's the outlier of their season. Is that game? Back to the phones we go. If you're a Florida fan, you got to look at that and go, man, what in the world? Because since then, Florida's been okay. I mean, they're not. You know, Florida is what they are, but they were. Florida looked like a literal minor league, one double A almost bad one double A football team that day. They didn't even they didn't even show up. On either side of the football. It's a total blowout. Let's get our next call in. Basilio show on a Tuesday. Hello. Hey, Tony. Hey, Matt. Hey, Bryce. Jake from Memphis. How hey, Jake in Memphis. Welcome in, man. Hey, Tony. A couple, uh, couple things I'd like to discuss with you real quick. The first uh, first point kind of goes straight into the second one. Um, my, my dad and I went down, drove down for the game on Saturday. Had a, had a great time up until about halftime. Um, but <clears throat> being in the seats that we were in, we were literally in the last row upper deck. And when the, I know it's been kind of discussed at nauseum, but I have a, a different kind of perspective to add to the, uh, the fair catch, um, kind of debacle. Um, I was, me, we were confused what was going on. You know, we took the kickoff out and, um, all of a sudden we saw that we were 
spotted it before. We didn't. There was no good explanation in stadium for for what had happened. And listening to your post game on the way home, you know, it became a little clear. But I um, actually went back. I didn't want to rewatch the game, but yeah. I did go back and because I was curious if my memory was correct. And, and sure enough, it was. So, including the opening kickoff, Bama kicked the ball off seven times in the game. The only time the ball did not go into the end zone was when that fair catch was, was that flag was thrown. And I just find that to be pretty interesting. Coincidence, I guess not, but I don't know. That It definitely seemed like they knew if they didn't kick it into the end zone and we ran it out, they knew that we were going to have a, that I just found that to be interesting. One, number two, and it and again it flows into the whole just the whole bull crap of the officiating in general. Um, I am with you guys on the three six model moving forward. I yeah. hope that's what they do. Yep. But I cannot help but um, understand why, and I didn't understand until this game. Honestly, I I, I know that. Tennessee in general, Heupel and Danny Wyatt, they're in favor of the one seven, and I didn't really get it, but I get it now. I don't want it to go to one seven, but I do understand why they want it to go to one seven after what happened on Saturday. I mean, you only get to play in Tuscaloosa once every four years versus one versus twice every four years. You get you win more games in the one seven model. You don't play Bama every year, and 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 listen, I. I grew up with Florida being the biggest rival for us, and that still is the case for me personally. They're the biggest rival to me. And if I'm okay losing Florida, you know, every year going to the, the, the three six, then I can't I'd be hypocritical saying I'd be okay losing Bama going to the one seven. So I that that's just those are the feelings I came away with after the game. I again I'm I I um I've, number one, found the officiating to be just utterly awful. But um, I also couldn't help but understand why the coaches now, after going through a game like that, and, and after what we hear Bino talk about, that Bama just, it is what it is. Bama's the SEC golden child, and they're going to get every call. So, you know, why not get more wins in the future by playing them less? Well, and I love the game so much, but you um if I'm a young person like you, I I would feel your pain, man, because this has been a extremely frustrating mostly in your lifetime one-sided series. Yeah. And people don't want to hear this, but Saturday looked and felt like professional wrestling. It just did. And uh Jake, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank and, you Tony. Yeah, and and Here's the other thing about Saturday that really drives me crazy. This Danielson guy, who a couple people sent me, a couple Tennessee fans or a Tennessee fan went in there and amended his Wikipedia. Him and Nick Saban have uh, have, have procreated and have uh, six national championships together. So congratulations. They started a new family, and somebody wrote that they started a new family together, and they've got six national championships. So. 
Matt, the, the Tealander deal where he raises his arm, points to the sky, whatever you want to say, Josh Heupel said yesterday, by the letter of the law, that's a proper, not a proper call. He said, by the letter of the law, that's the rule. By the letter of the law. Yeah, for for whatever. I mean, he's just you know being nice. There no, there's nobody who's ever watched football thinks an up man, you know, raising his arm above his, you know, his shoulder, as soon as the ball's kicked is a fair catch signal. Um, T. Lander actually did that on the opening kickoff of the game too. If you want to go back and look at that, very interesting. Um, again, it's always the selective enforcement of it, and they they decided in that spot probably with some nudging from Bama sidelines um, that, hey, look at this. This is a fair catch signal, and that's why they kicked it in the field of play. Um, I, I think that was the side of the field where the sun would have been shining on the Tennessee players, um, and that you know would make sense there. But, I mean, it just – you don't make that call there. That's just a, something inconsequential to the play – it's just so ticky tack and minor that, you know, I don't know. I mean, it just is what it is. Just like they called us for the, the, the delay game on defense on a critical third and four, as if that was the only time all game that we were, uh, we were barking after Kate that, 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 that hearing clap to get the attention of a teammate. Just insane. I would be really angry about that were it not for the fact they called that on Walter Nolan the week before with A&M. So obviously that's something that's sort of on their radar. The sky kick deal, Matt, is ridiculous. That, that's an insult to my intelligence as a sports fan. Ridiculous. Well, yeah, obviously. Obvi- so, obviously. The clapping just... thing, okay, we've seen it called. That deal right there? One program this year in this league's had it called on them, and that's Vanderbilt. And again, Vanderbilt's they're like the lab rats of the league. No offense to them, but they're the ones you experiment on. How much saccharin can they take? Okay, fine. I, st- I still don't know why it was a spot foul and we got into the – if it was a fair catch. If, if they said that he signaled for a fair catch, the ball's dead when we catch it. Treat like, it like I don't know a why it was a spot foul. And, and and when you fair kickoff. when you fair catch a kickoff, the ball goes to the twenty five. Yes. So why wouldn't and that's it go exactly to the, what happened there? Why wouldn't it go to the twenty five? The the play's dead as soon as soon as he catches the ball, because the officials said he fair caught it. I mean, it, I, that makes I mean, sense. It's a loose interpretation of the rules yep. that they're they're written in ways where there's always gray area and little things like that, and it's back to the phones we go. It's kind of like. In these games, you can call holding as much or as little as you'd like to call it. Back to the phones we go. And as I wrote today, people that are crying conspiracy, I agree with Nashville Lee. There's not a conspiracy because those guys didn't have the sense to even up the calls and make it look good for TV. Like in basketball, they'll even the calls up in the last couple minutes. And you'll go, oh, this team had 14 caught on them. They had 12 on them. No, 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 no. When it's 10 to 1 or whatever that number was over the weekend, they didn't even, they didn't even make an attempt to make it look good for, for posterity's sake. 
total robbed. And, and I'm not going to cry. It's not the reason Tennessee lost. Tennessee lost because they didn't execute, and the head coach did not help them. Really, really, really bad decision there at midfield. I can't get over it. And the play call is even worse than the decision. The play call plus that decision is one of the dumbest things you'll ever see in competitive sports. And I love this coach, but that's the truth. Back to the phones we go. Hello and welcome in. Hey, guys. What are the chances we don't win a single road game this year? Could happen. You guys probably already know this, but if you don't, uh, did you know that uh, Nick Saban and John Adams use the same realtor? And that is nothing short of a scandal. <laughs> You're channeling our first caller from yesterday, who, as I wrote today in the blog, I love the passion of this place, that somebody out there somewhere in their alleged mind, and I do mean alleged mind, put it together that this guy looks like a realtor in Tuscaloosa. What do you use, like Google facial recognition to come up with that? I mean, how do you... To my caller, how do you get that pull, man? How did that person equate those two people? Some guy that's just minding his own business, uh, being being the people's realtor down in Alabama, <laughs> saw his name splash. Hey, don't don't let him cover it up. It's got to be true. <laughs> hey, you said that uh, Danielson and Saban procreated. That's what it says on Wikipedia. They've had a family together, and they they birthed six national championships with each other. It's on Wikipedia did right they also, now. Did they also birth John Adams? Thank you. Uh, he's wore the John Adams card out. Let's get our next call in. Hello and welcome. Oh, oh County, help me, help me. <laughs> you got it. I'm honey, what? Is this my buddy Peggy? Peggy, I'm in total pain right now. Oh, honey, me too. Me and my daughter was going to come to Calhoun's Friday night, and you know, but here's me. Yeah. I, I usually stay home because I. it's just so weird to me. I don't want to be around people because I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know how I'm going to react. I, she said, are you crazy? I said, yes, I am. You need to come to Joshy Boy's birthday party. We're doing Joshy Boy's birthday party down there. Peggy, what's your favorite kind of birthday cake? Oh, my favorite was, well, my mom always made me this homemade, beautiful devil's food chocolate cake oh. with this homemade oh. white. Like I called it Smoky Mountain Icing because I ain't never seen any like it. She oh. makes it from scratch. Like oh. a meringue fluffy thing. It's beautiful. That's oh. my favorite. Oh, that sounds so good. I call it on top of those smoky. Because, you that's know, it's she... just my thing. But let me, honey, if I, I don't even know how to, to uh, talk about this ball game. It's painful. But I'm going to tell you, I really, here's the thing that I, 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 I can't believe that I was, I really more was tore up over uh, Florida because, it looks to me like uh, you can't. If you if we was just play in Alabama, it'd be one thing. Yeah. Look, I hate to go and say uh, the referees, the referees. I've always hated that. You know, they can mess up a call maybe because something. But this thing, when you can go from the beginning to the end, even when we in the first half, they's messing stuff up. I had a feeling. I said, you know, it's just me and my daughter. My niece, 
and the little girl that sang "It's Football Time in Tennessee." That's who was at my house watching this. But all the girls. And so, first half, it was noisy, screaming, happy, and then, you know, I I just had a weird feeling. I said, you have to, you got to put this thing away. And when they come out the first, in the third quarter, I felt like somebody hit me in the stomach. I seen it coming. When they scored on those first two plays, Peggy, and they turned our safety around and got got loose. Oh, Lord. I, I mean, you might as well walk off the field at that point. You've seen this thing so much. You talk about uh, the air coming out of your balloon. Yeah. And that moron Danielson. Matt, have you gone? Can you believe he was sitting there justifying that call by saying that oh, I the, that, that uh, D. Williams oh. called for the fair catch, Matt? Do you believe he did that? He just lied on television, Matt. He lied. Yeah, oh, yeah, he, he, either that or he had somebody in his ear, maybe the, the CBS replay uh, uh, official person telling him that that's what they saw, and he was just going by that, and then after the fact, the league kind of, you know, makes something up to go along with it. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me that's at all. That's embarrassing, the guy, man. The guy's clueless all the time. That's embarrassing. Uh, yeah, you know, but I noticed uh, yeah. he, uh, on anything concerning Tennessee, if you listen to his narrative, it was always had a negative slant. Always. I mean, the look, squirrel white catch. Ca- Peggy, yeah. he said the squirrel white. Look at him. Were his feet yeah. in? Where's, well, maybe well, well, maybe the ball's moving. He, kept he couldn't that. have made he that catch. He couldn't it? have made that catch. Uh, and I said, he caught that. He and caught then, that. You know, I'm sitting there arguing with him. I said, of course he caught it. Of course he you did. Know, it, Oh, my gosh. I tell you what. And I was kind of upset when they started talking about the new deals because I, I thought, what's it going to be if we don't have, you know, Alabama every year? But I'm going to tell you, I'm sick of them. I don't care what they do. I don't care if we play them anymore. If you can't play them and it be on the up and up and it be a real battle, yep. what's the point? Peggy, are our sillies going to close this thing out tonight, or is it going to be Heartbreak City in the city of Brotherly Shove? Can you imagine up here in Millville, Uncle, what's Uncle, uh, what's your uncle's name in the bar? Oh, Larry's, I meant to tell you, uh, uh, my cousin, Larry's son, he's hardcore Eagles and Phillies. That's him, that's him, Larry. And he's been to both both the games. Yep. Uh, What's going on right now? Will will they be celebrating into the wee small hours of the morning tonight at that place, or will they be writhing in pain along with Tony Basilio? I'll be laying on the floor in the fetal position after what happened to the Vols, and now the Phillies are crashing and burning. I might miss the show. Show tomorrow. Well, now what's uh, what's going on? Uh, update me. Real it's quick. game what's seven going? tonight, Peggy. Brawl for it all. Okay. Winner takes all. Well, Ranger Suarez on the hill for the right to take on the Rangers. Ranger to Ranger. Well, Ranger danger. I tweeted out support for him today because uh, you know if I'm not pulling for my team, which I've always pulled for the 49ers since high school, I got uh, hooked up watching Joe Montana when he played for Notre Dame, so I kind of followed him out there. And uh, so I've been for them, you know, all, all through the years. But now I will pull for, uh, if they're not in it, I'll pull for my cousin's team. He's hardcore. And being from up there, that's my like my second. You, you know? got it. 
Peggy. We, uh, well, I, I tell the living listener here, the fan bases, the people here and there, people don't believe me, but they're so similar. It's crazy. We love hard yeah. here. We party hard. We're here for you in a moment of need, and I love you, and I appreciate you, and I hope you have a Dwight Gooden. Oh, come I Friday. Come Friday and have a piece of Josh and Boy's birthday cake from 11 to 1, 11 to whenever. We're going to be down there uh, celebrating with uh, Joshy Boy and his birthday party. Well, I'll bring my daughter. She's single, and she needs to get out and mingle. Damn. <laughs> she needs to get out and meet some people. Wow. She's a good girl. You She's have a, send me a photo of her, and I'll put it on the website. Thank you. Okay. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I sure will. Listen, I, I'm listening to Tanya. If you morning, listen, and, I will uh, put it. I'll put it right on the website and say, Peggy's daughter is single and ready to mingle. Oh, she'll kill me. Oh she well, there is that. <laughs> I mean, Peggy, listen, huh? <laughs> I was listening to Tanya Tucker this morning, and uh -huh. would you like when they come on? And I said I'm going to dedicate that to Tony and Mrs. B. I'm sending that out to you and Mrs. B. And what's B. the song you're dedicating? What is it? What was the song? Oh, I was listening to Tanya this morning. She got inducted to the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame last night. I love her. I bow my head. After 50 years. I bow my head when I say her name. She's way overdue, and you have a great day. Peggy, uh, Brian, was Peggy hip to the clip on the Phillies uh, tonight? What would you think of that? Uh, who the hell are the Phillies? This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. 
She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. Hey, Columbia, this is Sabian Beard with the Columbia Noon Rotary Club with some information and an invitation for you. If you don't already know about Rotary, it's an organization over 100 years old that focuses on service in the community, service through vocation, and service to the next generation. Many of our community figureheads participate in the local Rotary Clubs, and we need your help. Our main fundraiser for our service projects is the legendary Pancake Day, held on Saturday, November 11th from 6 to 4. Tickets are $10 for one or $25 for three, and may be purchased at the door or from any Noon Rotary member. Help us continue to serve your community and enjoy a splendid breakfast with your neighbors. See you there. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Noisen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. T to the B, T to the B, back with you. 865-200-5402. Let's go back to our phones. Um, X is wondering if I'm going to start my own dating site. Uh, X, in a word. No, I'm not. But, Peggy, I want you to know I had five would-be takers on your daughter uh, text me and reach out to me in just short order. And and my sponsors do tell me, like Zen Jacob, he said, Tony, you're the most incredible pitch man in the state. And uh, so I've been told that. And... Um, so apparently radio's getting results over here, Peggy. That's all I got to say. Does fake Peggy have a thought on that? And then we'll go back to the phones. Well, I, I'll try to be down there in a, in a couple of weeks. 
Hello and welcome into our. Hello and welcome. It's Friday. It's not in a couple weeks. Friday, we're celebrating Joshy Boy's birthday. Oh, was it three weeks? At Calhoun's on the river. Hello and welcome in. Hey, Tony, it's Orange Blood. Yo, what's up, my man? Hey, man, uh, I'm on my way up to Lexington uh, Friday for the game, so maybe I'll count me as number six. I'll swing on by and, uh, you know, play the dating game. Maybe hey, maybe that gal you can maybe you can take her up there with you. You know, short notice. Yeah. She's a ball fan. Yeah, I'll borrow my dad's uh, you know seventies leisure suit and uh, we'll give her a shot. Um, uh, hey, quick first question I have is: Are we getting to the point where we're going to need like a who is it that used to call into your show for basketball? Is it like uh, referee Dave or Dale or? He used to be able to tell you. Well, you he know, still calls in. Raphalytics Judd's a seasonal guy. Raphalytics Judd, yeah. And he's the best. Yeah, I would bet you Raphalytics Judd wouldn't give those guys a high grade. Matt, when you went back and rewatched the game, were they holding us the way our fan base is claiming? Are you are you buying that, Matt Dixon? Uh, 100%. And especially in the second half. Especially in the second half. But, it, I mean, it, it went on. It went on constantly. Uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's an epidemic, uh, sport wide, really. Um, I, the one thing I wanted to call out, you're talking about, you know, the, and I've, I've brought this up before about the, you know, why don't we go under center and all that. Yep. I looked up the stats this year. We're like 13th or 14th in the SEC in fourth down conversions. We're really? like three for 13. Last year, actually, by the way, that's 125th in the nation. Last year, we were 22nd in the nation and second in the SEC behind Georgia. So, you know, what that's some of that's personnel. Maybe there is a little bit, you know, about protecting Coop. You know, <clears throat> don't want anybody piling up on him. But you're right. I mean, if you got one one center who can go in there and he all he does is practice that. You can practice it on the sideline all the time. You see Nico, you see everybody on the sidelines every year. A quarterback's taking practice snaps on the sideline. What did you say that number you know, was on short yardage? Give me that number again. The one twenty fifth, and what was the con- what, the uh, three thirty three percent? I think three out of how That's many? Like thirteen. That's more like twenty three percent. Not even one in four. Three for thirteen. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing, and uh, just the, the the source I used last year, we were at 22nd in the nation, about 65, 66 percent, which is, you know, that's about what you expect, you know, 50 percent or or so in the NFL, I think. So um, even when everybody on that level know what's coming, now with the tush push, I don't think we have to necessarily do the tush push, but at least, I mean, Joe Milton's prototypical body type to, to get three feet, you know. I mean, the problem with him is, and this is it, right? Tom Brady was unstoppable because he was 6'4", but he had tremendous instincts for where to go. And one thing you're never going to say about Joe Milton, and I'm not knocking him, but nobody's ever going to call him instinctive. And so you're going to snap a ball to him. He is 6'5". He should be able to lean forward and get six inches. I mean, we all would agree on that, but there is a modicum of reading the right gap, the right place to be. That's the one thing that would concern me about him, and and, and that's it. Now, you shot me something, or maybe somebody else did, 
uh, here on on Twitter. Did the Vikings stop that play last night, and what did they do? How did yeah, they how did they stop I it? I don't know if they if they got a flag on it or not. I was kind of watching the Mannings cover it with Aaron Rodgers, but they pulled a Troy Polamalu, and one of the linebackers just did a, a Jimmy Snooker Superfly or whatever over the over the center, and actually landed on top of uh, Kirk Cousins or not Kirk Cousins. Um, uh, whoever the other quarterback was. Yeah, gr- uh, uh, the uh, the but, uh, kid from uh, the snap. They they timed uh, the snap Purdy. and went up over on yeah. Purdy on Brock. Yeah, he Purdy. went up over. He landed like on the back of his shoulders. Wow. And, and pushed him down. I don't know if they if they called that a penalty or not because I don't I don't know what the rule is now for leaping over. But I mean, he stopped him. <laughs> it was a desperation. Oh, you're allowed to leap. You're just not allowed to jump off a of guy. It's like the other day, Miles Garrett blocked a field goal. In the Browns game, he came, I want to say C-gap, he came over right between the guard and the center, and he absolutely monstrously went airborne, if, if you haven't seen that. It's one of the craziest things for a man that size to be able to move like that. I mean, it's awe-inspiring how big that guy is, and he blocked the kick. I mean, I, I, there's yeah. really nothing you can do about it. No, you you time it right. You're I think you're right. You can't launch off of another player. Yeah, to get that on extra point kicks and all that. So yep. Yeah. Uh, hey, last thing, your uh, your resident therapist called in. He's kind of a buddy of mine. I mean, wearing a text chain for mm-hmm. ball stuff. And, right. Um, you know, he he talked about how Joe needs to calm down. Looks like they started to implement when they make him run. You usually see that follow up by a pretty good pass. So maybe that's kind of a. A mechanism too to get a little bit of that adrenaline out, get him going, um, set up a set up a pass by sending him out to a run. I just wondered if that's kind of if maybe they're just opening the idea of getting him out there and using him more in space, even though he's not instinctive, like you said. I just find it hard to believe that after all the good stuff he did in the first half, he didn't run with one ball in the third quarter. They didn't call a running play for him. That's just um, that's hard for me to believe. I know it was down in distance and spot on the field, and the game kind of got away from them, but I, I don't know. Our coordinator and Josh Heupel did not have a very good day the other day, especially in the moment, I don't think. In the first half, it was lights out great how good they were. And the truth is, if he was a little better, Tennessee's probably up more at halftime, and it's probably a, a, a moot point. But because he really had uh, Warren wide open in the end zone, and he needs to make that throw. He just needs to make a better throw there. Absolutely. But I, hey, uh, I'll get up yeah. here, but I'll let you know if I run into any uh, post game, you know, Kentucky fan uh, on the sidewalk or anything after the game. Thank you. Yeah, please do, and uh, look for Fight Club Clay as well. I think he's going to be up there representing. And I think he's going to be. Oh, I can get Fight Club Clay to be the center on those under center plays. He's going to defend his title, though, Matt. He's going to be too busy with his title defense to to do that. Again, I'm to the <laughs> point where I'm to the point where I don't know why you wouldn't put a different center in and do that if you're Tennessee. It looked really good against Virginia. Matt got me thinking. I'd forgotten all about the play in the Virginia game till Matt mentioned it. Garza Law fifth quarter fan reaction. 
And I had gotten lost in my translation because I can't talk, you know, when I'm doing what I'm doing. And that thing is that thing is live totally. We don't take any commercial breaks during it. And so I couldn't get to my source who was trying to help me. And then we finally talked. I got up yesterday with this person who says, look, I misled you, but this is what I meant. And then I said, oh, okay, well, rereading your text to me now, because we were kind of going back and forth. What I found out is that Tennessee does not want to run the play the Eagles have with Cooper Mays in there. So I ran by Orange Throat last night. Orange Throat said, well, why don't you just put a different center in there? Ollie Lane's done it. And, and Rocky Top says, if you put a different center in, everybody knows what you're going to run anyway. That's the purpose of that play. The purpose, the, the reason that play is so ingenious to me is that as the Eagles do it, Matt, everybody in the stadium knows what's coming. And Chris Collinsworth said, as a defender, it's all about leverage. You can't get low enough to stop that play. Sean Sinclair said, in his mind, the Eagles, when they played the Chiefs, probably could have scored a touchdown if they would have just decided we're going to move the ball all the way down the field doing that. He might be right. I think they're going to have to outlaw that deal eventually. I think they will outlaw it. But while you've got the loophole, the dime, the dance floor, I don't. it's certainly better than snapping a ball in a shotgun to our guy, Matt. Because when he freezes, when you snap that ball to him and he does that little freeze that he does, little freeze frame thing, you've got zero chance of getting that first down, Matt. Zero. With the ball they ran in the, in the third quarter. And I mean, maybe maybe one half in ten, to me, are the chances you have of getting that. Like a 5% chance, maybe. No, the, in, in that spot, your, in that the success spot. rate was just so low. Um, yeah, I mean, you just, you just can't, you, gotta, you can't put your, your team in that spot either. You just you gotta just punt the ball. People and people were saying, "Well, you, you want Jimbo? You you want this guy to coach? No, I don't want him to coach like Jimbo. Jimbo coaches like he's literally half asleep. The, the, this is not an either or. That's not binary here. Okay. Well, I'm not going to go. Well, you know. <laughs> but you said last week about Jim. No, 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 no. You're not going to do that to me. You're not doing that. Doing that to me." I got a brain. Well, every once in a while I do anyway. Back to the phones we go on the TLD Logistics Hotline. Hello and welcome into our next call. Hey, Tony. Joshy boy. Wings. Birthday you, uh, boy, Wings. You ready for uh, Game 7 tonight, Tony? And I find no. it very interesting. The Phils have never played a Game 7 before. <sighs> I know. We played a game five against the Houston Astros. Best uh, NLCS ever played, 1980. All NLCSs will be, uh, it just has no equal. Uh, best best NLCS of all time, not even close. And the truth is, these games here, like Matt learned last night, well, Matt already knows us, but it's flipping a coin. You have no idea what's going to happen tonight. Yeah. Tona, it's that Notre Dame be, game. It's that Sunday Notre Dame well, game in our building. 
Yep. And I was exchanging texts with the great Jack Fritz of WIP. And I, I, gave, I gave him my thing that I do on here. I said, close your eyes, Jack Fritz, and envision you being in that stadium tonight, doing that post-game show, those fans, those players running onto that field and the mayhem in the bank. Just the absolute mayhem. Yep. But they don't let fans on the field, Matt, like they once did. That's what was so beautiful about that Alabama game last year. So beautiful. Tony, uh, I'm going to be pretty heavy on your Phillies. Are you? Are you? Yeah. Well, my Eagles, if your ticket is accurate that you sent me, my Eagles made you a lot of money the other night. Yeah, they did. Now you uh, live bet you know, that game uh, right after the interception. You when they no, when it, uh, that was before the game, Tom. Oh my gosh, you yeah, made. I took an alternate line. You know, uh, I joked that there were some people out there who probably had the over in that game that lost because Squip didn't run in the in the end zone, and then they took knees. And there was actually people who replied that said they did lose money from that. There you go. There you go. Tone, I find it very interesting that when Tennessee supposedly called for a fair catch on that kickoff, right? Why, like you and Matt were referring to, why did they not put it at the twenty-five? I can't figure that out. I don't know. Are we uh, other uh, than I, I guess? Making- I would buy the explanation. No, 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 no. I I think probably the purpose of that rule, it's almost like a balk in baseball. You're not allowed to play with a fair catch. You're not allowed to deceive an opponent in that spot because it's really a safety rule. And if you do it, you're going to have the ball right where it's at if you're trying to deceive somebody on a kickoff, on a kickoff return. I mean, that would make sense. I don't know that that's it, it the case. It seems more like a rule for punt returns. Exactly, than Matt. Yeah. Exactly. Because punts, you can kind of. It's a safety you know, deal. You, you can disguise things there. A kickoff, yep. everybody knows where it's going. Everybody's looking the same way. Yeah. I think but. the caller that called in in the first hour deserves a star, though, for this. For this, an orange star. Not to be confused with a green clover or, or a blue diamond. I really think. That at the end of it all, Alabama probably saw, or maybe it was you, Matt. Alabama probably saw the T lander early in the game, did it on a punt or on a kickoff earlier, pointed up in the air, and they said, "Hey, hey, we're going to use this later in the game. I want you to watch this guy here." And they they went with the sky kick. Hey, that's smart coaching. If that's what they did, and maybe we're giving them more credit than that's student. what I wrote in the blog. We'll go, we're going to see it tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. they, and they kicked it to Cam Seldon and not Dean Williams, too. Smart, smart, Nick Saban, smart. That's how you yeah. take a 9-3 and three football team and get a, get an 11-1 season out of them. Tona, I don't know if you saw it Sunday, but that was a bad call by the NFL. They didn't even measure on that fourth down play where the Rams stopped the Steelers short and they gave it to Kenny Pickett, that was not a first down. What uh, Nashville Lee was talking about. Yeah. How yeah. How does, like, the NFL, like, how are they so, like, incompetent of, like, 
missing those calls, you know? Well, it's interesting you would bring up the whole measurement deal because here, here is what I've since learned on the whole um, measurement situation. Let me see. I have this on one of my. It's on one of my phones here. I got this yesterday. Um, because yeah, if you remember in uh, that Dallas Cowboys Raiders game, like right. four or five years ago, Gene Steratore used like a like a card to measure on that fourth down play. Um, they've been told this year only to measure after a respot after a review. So basically, if they look at it on video, correct the spot on a close call, still can't tell whether uh, it's enough, that's the only time they're going to measure now. And yeah. they were doing a lot of measuring, but then they were getting buzzed down from the booth, and the ball be moved a yard anyway, which was wasting a ton of time. It happened in the Iowa-Minnesota game over the weekend. I was also told that in the NFL, they're not putting the ball, and the reason you're not seeing, um, you're seeing what they're doing in that league is they're not putting the ball at half-yard lines anymore. And... They're it rounding up and rounding back uh, in terms of spotting balls. Had they, had they ever done that? Brian, they used to put it at the exact spot. That's why you had them out there with chains, and they would use the chains to mark balls. They're not doing that anymore. They're moving balls up or back and keeping it at a yard line so they can see it. Tony, it's funny you were mentioning that Iowa-Minnesota game. That was clearly not a fair cut. Uh, the Iowa punt returner. I think it was yeah. even worse than the T-Lander fair catch call. Well, again, you're, the guy you're, barely had his arm up. In college football, the imperfections go through the entire game, which make it so compelling. Because you never know what the kids are going to do, <laughs> and you really don't know what the zebras are going to do. But I do want to point out that in the Steeler game, Josh, they did measure there. That's one of the reasons why people are so upset because they feel like they measured it and still got it wrong. Yeah. Tony, uh, out the door, I think your Phillies do roll tonight. I'm thinking of like an 8-3 to three final score, Phillies. Right on, brother. Yep. If that happens 8-3, to three, and I apologize for that, but... Josh, your boy, is a master of the hit and run. Tire tracks all across my back. I can see you had your fun. Let's go back so, to the phone. Uh, go ahead, Brian. One thing. Bob Stoops is 5-7 and seven coming off open days while at Kentucky. And but number's 5-8. and eight. Beat. Goldbricker told me yeah, it's 5-8. and eight. You, you yeah, going against Goldbrick's number? <laughs> they have never beat a team off an open date that finished that season with a winning record. And three wow. of those five wins were over Vanderbilt. And one was over a 2-10 and ten Arkansas team coached by Chad Morris. Again, last and year. They're 0-2 against the Vols off their do, open date. Do you guys count last year down at Alabama's road win? I mean, we got to park on this for a second. Because I'm worried about us on the road. It's the only thing I'm worried about for Saturday night. Matt, down, do down we count Alabama that as a road win last year? Do we count anything with Vanderbilt in this league right now? They're not even attempting to play SEC football under this coach I have. Do you count it, Matt? 
No, I, I don't count Vanderbilt as a road game. It's it's at at worst a neutral site game, and a lot of years it's a home game. They they beat LSU last year. They beat they they won at Pittsburgh, and then they won at Kentucky two years ago. Yep. Those those are the three big road wins that Hypel has. Back to the phones we go, and it's hard to win on the road. It's going to be hard Saturday night. Oh, and and that Missouri game, which again, there's no there was no home field advantage, and I love that Wilkes guy. I want that Steve might be Wilkes. This year. I want Steve Wilkes to walk back in that door. Hello, and welcome into our next call. Hello, Tony. Yo, you're on the air. Welcome in. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm glad so you got great. to talk to my orange blood friend. Yeah, uh, right on, he, brother. Yeah, man. He gave a little bit of my my info. I was going to talk about, but uh, yeah. So um, one of the things, obviously, you hit on. Golly, man, penalties and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know about you, I did go back and look at all the game again and slow mode everything and, and blew it up. And yeah, yeah, Brian's right. I mean, it, it was completely horse crap on some of that stuff. I mean, you know, like chokeholds and everything else. I mean, I don't understand how they didn't see any of it. But anyways, I'm sure you guys hashed enough on that. But I did want to, I did want to say something though, man. I know, I think it was last week I talked about, I said, even though I was jizzing them a little bit, um, but I did see something. And I said, you know, let me let me see before I like make my my you know forecast of how he's doing in Alabama game. And um, you know, I mean, from what I did see, he actually came through. Um, he's obviously working with somebody, which is good. Um, and, um, and and yes, he is actually taking the time, setting his feet. And that was the other thing too. I was looking for his happy feet, and he for the most part didn't have them except for the Warren pass, which you already talked about. And if you go back and look at the film, you'll see. He, he, what he did was he went to, he went to throw and yes, he was good on that. He probably took a breath right there, but he forgot that, Hey, you know what? I got to do it again. And voila, he just, cause he needed to relax. And that's what it's doing. It, it seems to be on those nice crucial throws. He's actually doing that. And then he's relaxing himself and setting himself and he's throwing out. It looks pretty good. I mean, for the most part. So I was actually impressed with that. Um, and the runs, I'm glad that he didn't talk, but he did talk the piss out of some people and, you know that's uh, that's what you got to do, man. You gotta you gotta stay in the moment, and uh, he just needs to try to get back and have something that, you know, one of those rap songs or whatever he he likes to listen to. He's gonna he, you know he needs to get some kind of beat where he gets some slow breathing with a mechanism of that. Because I can't we can only put band aids on right now. We can't you know you can't make anybody more than what they are. Um, as but you can try to get them a little better as they're going right. So. Um, yeah, if he could just do that so he can stay in the moment a little bit, um, that would help him out, I think, uh, as the game goes on. He did a lot better in the, in the second quarter, too. That was another one I was looking at to see if he actually was able to. to but he's slowing it down, which is hard to do in Heifel's offense, right, because they're going fast. And you got to get. And then on top of that, you got to slow your own mind down. So it's, it's kind of like a double double and a negative there. So. But anyways, uh, one other thing I wanted to say, too, was um, the receivers, now that he's actually – in the game and not like, you know, like in left field on that fourth down and throwing the ball out of and not knowing where he is. Now that he's actually staying in the moment and not actually letting himself get outside of that, um, he's actually running around. Like you didn't say he ran any on third, uh, the third quarter or whatnot, but, but he, on his own, though, it wasn't planned. You're right about that. Um, but on his own, he did actually a, a few times get outside the pocket and like when he hit his tight end, right? So that's something he hadn't been doing. And what I noticed was the receivers, they're not doing a dang thing trying to get an open space. 
they were they were really horrible at that. It's like they weren't really helping them at all. And then when they did, they dropped the ball. So, I you know, and then yes, and back to what Orange Blood did say. You can just look at the film. I mean, they obviously were listening or, or talking to somebody or whatnot because every time it was a plant run, it was like um, they would go deep or or it was going to be a timed route. So like like that you know time route with with the hitch, which he normally would overthrown, or or the one that went for the touchdown. Same thing. And you can look at the whole film and. You can come back and we'll talk later, and you'll say, you know what, you're right. And so it, it, it is what they were trying to do, and that's what you want to do when you're trying to help somebody who needs lots of band-aid. And now we can just try to work around him a little bit. I mean, he has some potential there, um, but they, you know, coach can't be, you know, putting him in jeopardy out there and, uh, you know, fourth down stuff and calling stupid calls. So I mean, yeah, I mean, is he, is he going to be? Is he perfect yet? No, but I think he's he's good enough to beat Kentucky. And especially from what you call said before, if they're not going to rush him and he actually is staying in the game in the moment for once, he's actually going to look past the first or second guy. He's actually maybe going to try to make something out of something. And if they can just get in some space, you know what? I think he can, he can start to actually make another progression moment up. But, but um, you know. Anyway. Could he have, and I appreciate the call, could he have his biggest night as a volunteer is what that guy's asking. Could Joe Milton have his biggest night as a volunteer? Here's the thing somebody said to me yesterday that was listening to the show and listened to the coverage. He said to me, and, I, you know, I say this stuff to you because it's who I am. I'm an open book. One of my friends called me yesterday and said, you've really embarrassed yourself, which is, you know, that's how we crack on each other. I said, okay, how? He goes, do you realize that Tennessee didn't score a point in the second half? And I said, well, I haven't really thought about that. He goes, how much praising of Joe Milton are people going to do when you haven't scored a point in the second half? And I will ask Matt, Matt Dixon, is that a fair statement or an unfair statement by a friend of mine who said that my going on and gushing over Joe Milton's performance is embarrassing? Who's correct here, Matt? Well, I, I thought he had a, a great first half, and then, you know, the second half, it just didn't happen. You you had the drive there in the fourth quarter where uh, you were down seven and, and you know, had the, the strip sack, and you can't, you can't have that happen. But a lot of the stuff that happened in the second half was kind of out of his control. You're pinned your own four to start. That's what I thought. essentially wipes out that drive. Um, I believe the next drive was when – Mincy got hurt, and you had the failed fourth down there around the midfield. And then your third drive of the second half is when they conveniently called you for holding on, on your first down play and made it first and 20, which effectively killed that drive, too. And then all of a sudden, you're in the fourth quarter, and you're getting beat. And, you know, the all the momentum's against you. The crowd's fired up, and, and Alabama's kind of pinning their ears back. And, and we didn't handle that well, but I thought Milton played really well in the first half. I and that's what I said, and he said, "Well, I'm I'm really and he and his comment to me was, Tony, I'm really glad that football games are 30 minutes now." He said, "I thought that you need somebody to manage the game for 60 minutes, not ball hold, blah 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 blah, make a play." And the other thing he said is, and he goes, "And you guys won't, you guys and and I and I said, I'll I'll bring it up, whatever." He said, "What about at the end of the game when you're down two scores and he's dumping the ball off to the backs?" Were you gonna, guys going to say something about that? And I said, well, what do you want me to say? I don't know. I'm with Matt. 
I just think the game got away from us, and I thought Joe Milton literally played. Oh, I think that's about as well as he's played since he's been here. I don't think it was because of Joe Milton. I think you know the the, the one one play was there was no protection. The guy at the offensive lineman got beat. Campbell got really beat bad, and there was no time. That wasn't really on Joe Milton. And Alabama, the, some of the officiating calls and other things that defensively, that wasn't really on Alabama, on Joe Milton either. The conversation continues after this. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Celebrate you with a new vehicle from Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. We have a huge selection of new vehicles waiting for you. We're talking cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you're in the business of selling your vehicle, we've got you covered. We'll buy from you even if you don't buy from us. At Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia, we're locally owned and operated and proud to serve our community as the largest CDJR dealership in Tennessee. Find your new ride today when you visit Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today. 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia to 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. 
Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Football season is here, and that means tailgating starts now. Come see us at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, and let us help you get your backyard game ready. We are open Monday through Friday from 7 to 7, and on Saturday from 8 to 4. Go Vols! Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. I am Jack Blackstone. And I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. Before we go back to our busy phones, and we will, just a minute, just a minute for me to put out the clarion call, because Amachi Brook is now joining me. Hello, Tony. And our tailgate is but 10 days away, and we are way short on tickets. Now, Amachi Brook in the aftermarket. These tickets are going for well over a hundred dollars, and I'm really getting worried, Amachi Brook. So, what do we do at Amachi? I want you to tell the living listener what we do at Amachi here. Yeah, Tony. So, I think I have the best job in Knoxville. Yes. I really just get to help facilitate friendships for youth in Knoxville that have a parent or sometimes both parents in prison or jail. And so through that, we like to provide a positive adult mentor in that child's life to take them out into the community to show them a different side of life and then just to have fun with them. And, and that's what we get to do every single day. And things like the tailgate are things our kids look forward to and get excited about to have this experience. So I'm just, I'm with you. I'm a little worried at this point, but I, I really, I think Beto says it best. It's in God's hands. It is in God's hands. I believe that as well. If folks want to donate, go over to tclub.team and help us out. Um, We really could use some help right now. We need you to help spread the word. Go to your favorite uh, chat site, chat board. Put the link on there uh, and help us get the word out because we're really going to have a wonderful time and Brooke, if folks want to volunteer, you're talking about four hours a month, right? That's it, yeah, four hours a month. And and they get to also have a reward of making a new friend, too. I think that our tagline sticks true to say one friendship is two lives changed because I know I'm a mentor, too, in the program. And I have a 13-year-old mentee who teaches me a new side of life every time we hang out. And so I think 
through Amati, you have something where you can give back to your community, but also ways that your community gives back to you. So I think it's just really rewarding. And so if you want to volunteer with us, we need volunteers right now. We have a lot of young people on our wait list to get a mentor. And so you check out Tony's blog and you can just reach out to me directly. I'd love to have a phone call with you. And we've had folks come out of the audience to do this down through the years, which is a, which is a wonderful byproduct of this and i've had listeners come up to me and say hey man i um i decided to do it it's a life-changing thing and a wonderful deal investing back in the life of another um we need your help though please go over to tclub.team and brooke problem people have now with these tickets being digital is they don't want to send those tickets to a blind box kind of thing because they don't know if it gets there You will take phone calls, right? And you have taken phone calls. We've got your number up there now. I want you to elaborate on that. Yes, yes. So I think what we were were doing is we were getting these tickets digitally. And when I get tickets digitally through this email, I am only getting someone's first name. First name, and they are sending these tickets. And so I think that if I was giving my tickets away, I'd want to make sure they were going to the right place and in the right hands. And so, Tony, I think that's why we kind of talked about put my number up there. Give me a call. I can get more information from you and make sure we can get you a donation receipt if needed. I think that's important. If you're willing to give us your tickets, we want to be willing to work with you. And and I love just chatting with your listeners. I had a phone call with a gentleman this morning that was just so fun to, to get to know a little oh, bit. Oh, no. Here. story. So I think it's been it's been a wonderful time. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Amachi, oh, gosh. Amachi Brooke, uh, yeah, and don't just call her, some of you clowns. Uh, Amachi (laughs) Brooke, much love to you. Is there anything else you'd care to add on the way out? And Thank you for what you do for our community. Well, I think I just want to add thank you to the listeners that have already sent tickets. We do have those coming in. I had some come in this morning, but we've got a lot of kids we're working with, and so we just want to make sure we can get as many kids into that stadium as we can. But thank you to those that have taken the time to give tickets and are continuous donors of tickets every year. We appreciate you so much more than we can even vocalize with words. So just thank you, Tony. Thank you, listeners, and we just love working with y'all. And go over to tclub.team for more information. Amachi Brooke, I love you. Love you. Thank you. She appears on the TLD Logistics Hotline online, tldlogistics.com. Literally, and if you're coming to the game, please come by our tailgate. Literally my favorite day of the year. Matt says it. It's um, it's just such a blessing. And what they do in our community is an absolute blessing. Back to our phones we go. Thank you, Amachi Brook. You've heard the clarion call. Now do something about it. Hello and welcome into our next call. Rusty, uh, people out there, please spread the word. Reach Thank out. you. Thank you. Reach, reach out and help these kids, y'all. Come on. Thank you. Um, hey, buddy. Yeah, you're. Don't thank me, man. We 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 all need to do our part tickets are tight, this. man. I get it. Tickets are tight. Those tickets are those tickets are valuable. It's not like. Uh, in years past, where it's a five dollar, ten dollar ticket, tickets are tight, man. I get it. I get it. I get it. I do, I do too. But what you can do for one kid for one day is well worth two hundred dollars. I'm sorry. Um. So I, I was out of line yesterday. Went over top. We, we none of us ever do that. Uh, so uh, I'll try not to do it today. Um. 
we did run Joe one time in the third quarter on a design run. We called one design run for him in the third quarter. It was on second and 13 after he got sacked on first down on the second drive of the second, of the second half. It only went for 16 yards when we designed a run for him in the third quarter. Um, every design run we called for him went for nine-plus yards, except the one on the fourth and a foot where he got st- stopped on fourth down. Every other design run, nine-plus. Yet we only ran him once in the third quarter. Chains would have kept moving if we would have kept running. Bama was saying, you're not running the football and you're not throwing the deep in the second half with your running backs. Your running backs were going to swarm with run blitzes and you're not throwing over the top. But your quarterback is welcome to run around the end if he wants to, and we didn't do it. I, I just don't get that, Matt, why it was so effective and we didn't do it. There, I mean, there's just so many things mystifying about Saturday. That's a mystifying aspect of Saturday, uh, Dixon. Well, uh, again, I just think the game got away from you and everything just kind of snowballed and avalanched on you. Um, and you, you were put in some really tough spots, but you had the – and I think Alabama made some really good adjustments at halftime as well. But, no, it was it was not a good – I mean, it was a, just a bad second half all around. But I, but I, I do think Milton running would – that QB design stuff um, has to be a big part of the offense going forward the rest of the year. Yep. It, it, uh, 100%. And it was great. It was a great job by Bama. It, it was a really good uh, justice to have. They said no more running backs getting a yard. No more. We're just going to go down. We're, we're, just, we're not going to worry about containing your quarterback if he keeps it. We're just going to take them away, and you're not going to throw over the top of us. That, that's what they said heck no to. And they said we're going to hold your guys in the secondary the entire time. Um, every time they go up, we're going to hold and scratch and claw and kick them in the rear end or wherever else. Um, and we got to keep running it. I don't think Hopple loves running the quarterback. I think he would rather keep pounding the running backs, but sometimes you have to do it more than you want to. And I get why he didn't want to. Nobody wants to run the quarterback and get them hurt. But sometimes, it, sometimes if that's what you're being allowed, take it from them and make them stop it eventually, and then you can go back to doing what you want to do. The fair catch thing so apparently the way I understand it is, if on a kickoff anybody calls for a fair catch calls for a fair catch that's not the guy receiving it, it's dead where it hit, where the where it's caught. This is Big Lou Maddox and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee, WKOM one oh one point seven FM Columbia. Hey, Columbia, this is Sabian Beard with the Columbia Noon Rotary Club with some information and an invitation for you. If you don't already know about Rotary, it's an organization over 100 years old that focuses on service in the community, service through vocation, and service to the next generation. Many of our community figureheads participate in the local Rotary Clubs, and we need your help. Our main fundraiser for our service projects is the legendary Pancake Day, held on Saturday, November 11th from 6 to 4. Tickets are $10 for one or $25 for three, and may be purchased at the door or from any Noon Rotary member. Help us continue to serve your community and enjoy a splendid breakfast with your neighbors. See you there. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Noisen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. 
The generations that have paved the way for us deserve respect, integrity, and compassion. This is Kelly Dobson, owner of Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. My grandmother and mother started this business in 2005, and I was honored to take over in 2012. Licensed and insured, we help our aging community stay in the comfort of their own homes. Online at caringheartshomehealthcarellc.com, by phone 931-381-5470, or in person at 1121 Trawood Avenue here in Columbia. That's Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. Hey gang, Carl Wayne Meekins here. I want you guys to come out and see us live on Veterans Day, 11-11-23, 7 p.m. Guitar and Cadillac Hall that sits right on top of Puckett's in Columbia, Tennessee. Got a huge lineup for you. We've got Troy Kemp, Katrina Burgoyne, myself and my band, and then the legend Jimmy Wayne's going to come in for a few songs. Going to be a big night in Columbia, and Columbia ain't going to be the same. Okay, so get your tickets at eventbrite.com, Guitar and Cadillacs, Carl Wayne Meekins. We'll see you there. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.